If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 1. If you did not bring your Bible, uh, that is okay. We're going to put the words on the screen. But I do want to encourage you, church family. I want to encourage you, grab your Bible bring it. Um, for some of us, it might be the first time we open our Bible throughout the course of a week, and at least you'd be doing it here, but I'm praying this would become a habit and a practice for all of us. Maybe we'll put down Instagram a little bit and pick up our Bibles a little bit more. They're going to do a lot for our mental health and our emotional health. Uh, Galatians uh, chapter 1. Uh, we're going to start reading in verse number one. You can also look it up on your phone if you want to as well. Or again, like I said, the words are on the screen. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the church in Galatia. Grace and peace to you. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse number six. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. E but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. He's about to repeat that. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one, than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Okay, here we go. Your boy's a little upset, it seems like. <laughs> the title of today's message is Something's in the Water. Uh, Something's in the Water. Uh, this book of Galatians that we just started uh, reading uh, was written sometime in the late 40s AD or maybe early 50s. Uh, most scholars are, are trying to land on AD 50 as, as the time that this letter was written. There's some reasons for that. There's some things that Paul does not mention, uh, like, some, like the Jerusalem council that happened. And there's just some different reasons that we're going, okay, we think, we think this is around A.D. 50 that this was written. Now, this book of the Bible, this book of Galatians, has been called like the Declaration of Independence of Christian Liberty. Some individuals look at this book. Matter of fact, one guy named Martin Luther, uh, not Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, that was more in our time. Martin Luther, meaning the Reformation, uh, Martin Luther. Uh, this individual, he loved this book so much, he called it Catherine Von Bora. That was his wife's name. That's how much this guy loved this book. I love this book of the Bible. I don't call it Onika. 
I'm reading Onika today. No, 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 I'm turning Onika's pages. I haven't done that, but Martin Luther so loved this book of the Bible. He, he like named it after his wife. Now, this guy, Paul, some of you are trying to figure out who that is. If you go back a couple of weeks, and when we were, we did a, a series, it was a couple of weeks series called Fresh Start Part 1 and Fresh Start Part 2, and we looked at a guy named Saul, okay? This is in Acts chapter 9, and this guy Saul hated the church. He hated Jesus' followers, was trying to kill them, throw them in prison. He was on his way to Damascus to put more Christians in prison. Jesus meets him on that road, transforms his life so much, his name later is changed from Saul to Paul. This is the guy who wrote this book of Galatians, Paul. We think if he wrote it in 50, that he was probably around 15 years of following Jesus. Because we think it's maybe around AD 35 that he had that massive transformation where he went one, one way and he was going another. But he starts this book off and he comes in kind of hot. He's like, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. He just started off, just so you know, I didn't call myself. It was not my idea. I was not the one that picked me. God picked me. I was not the one that asked for some position of authority. God put me in this position of authority. I was not the one that asked to have some certain gifts or some certain talents. God gave these to me. And I just want you to know God has gave you certain gifts, certain abilities, certain talents, some of which you did not ask for. You just were given it. And now I need you, we need you to step into the authority of the gift that God has given you and use what God has given you to advance his love and his message and his peace and the gospel in the earth. Because many of us are holding on to the things that God has given us. Can I just say here for a quick second, men in our church, I love you so much. I'm so thankful for you. We got our men's master classes that are going. Let's go. It has been fantastic. The men coming together, we're growing together. I'm looking for some more men to even be a part of our worship team. Ladies, if, you're, if you hear your man singing, and you know he's got a gift, okay? Like he just makes your knees buckle, okay? <laughs> Tell him to stop sitting on that gift and jump on the journey here and use his gifts and talents to encourage and lift the body that we have here at Shoreline City. He has this gift, this call, but he did not call himself. He's like, I was going about my life, doing my thing, and then all of a sudden, Jesus stepped in, and he's the one that gave me the authority that I have. At times, being a pastor, I have shied away from this authority. I have shied away because I didn't want anybody to think that I was prideful. And in me not wanting to be prideful, there were times in our church, and this has not been recent, there have been times in our church that I actually stepped, uh, took a step back from the authority that I had because I was concerned about people thinking something about me that I did not want them thinking about me. Wow. And I talked to my therapist. <laughs> and <laughs> I heard, 
When did you think you could control what anybody thinks about you? When did you ever think that you had the power to put into people's heads what they were going to think about you? People will think and say and do whatever they want to do. So live your life the way God has called you to live your life in the authority and the security that he has given you. I didn't ask to be a pastor. I was not, I, I wanted to be an astronaut. <laughs> not kidding. And I wanted to be president. Those are the two things that I wanted to be <laughs> growing up. And then Barack Obama went and took it from me, my first opportunity. I just wanted to be the first brother and th dang, dang Barack. Just kidding, I don't know him and he ain't watching. Uh, <laughs> but if you are, sir, God bless you and thank you for all you've done. Uh, I want to be president and I wanted to be an astronaut. Uh, and I also wanted to be an NBA basketball player at some point in time. Then I was around 14 years old. I realized that wasn't going to happen. But, but the, these are the dreams that I had. But then, then God, in his infinite grace and mercy, said, Earl, I am asking you to be someone that loves my people, is a voice for me, serves my people. I, I remember crying. I still wrestle with this call at times. I'm like, what am I doing up in front of all these people? God, why would you not pick someone else and God is like hey I pick who I want to pick I call who I want to call stop arguing with me and be who I called you to be and do what I called you to do I'm praying for that type of faith that type of holy confidence not a pride in ourselves my dependence is not on me my call did not come from me I did not ask God for this God said I put something on you and the same is true for you so stop shying back from who God has called you to be and what he called you to do and step fully into it well what if my friends don't, don't don't like it who cares if your friends don't like it what if my family doesn't like it who cares if your family doesn't like it your family didn't make you your friends didn't make you God is the one that fashioned you and formed you in your mother's womb and he called you for such a time as this and if you wanted you to be born in some other generation you would have been he wanted you to be born right now in this moment in this hour so step fully into who he's called you to be the apostle Paul here has to argue with these people because some individuals are looking at him saying, you're not a legitimate apostle. You're not legitimate because you're not one of the original 12. You weren't walking with Jesus like Peter and James and Bartholomew and Andrew. So since you weren't walking with Jesus, you're not legitimate. And the apostle Paul is here going, hey, you can call me illegitimate if you want to, but God called me. You can say what you want to say about me, but God put me here. And when God puts you in a spot, I want you to own it. Own it. So now he's walking through here and he gets down to verse. Now I'm going to go with me to verse number. Uh, go with me to verse number four. He says, um, verse three, Lord Jesus Christ, who Jesus, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age um this word sin is an interesting word 
It's one we like to avoid in our society. We don't want to have sin. We want to have issues. I got issues. I don't have sin. Who, who are you? Oh, you call me a sinner? Yes. <laughs> you and me. <laughs> All of us have sinned. All of us have missed the mark. All of us have fallen short of God's glory. Every one of us have messed up. It's so interesting to me how we don't want to be called sinner when all of us know we've sinned. Y'all with me on this? You know, like, well, I just don't like to call. It makes me feel bad. I'm not totally interested in your feelings right now. I just want to kind of put a little level playing field here for a second to go, hey, all of us have screwed up. Sorry if screwed up bothers you. For those of you, we say a lot worse. I'm about to get into some other stuff. You guys really going to want to offend you in a little while if that's, that messes you up. All of us have messed up, screwed up. Uh, all of us have done dumb things. All of us, me included. Since we have, let's just own the fact that we're sinners. Since we are these sinners, we're not left to ourselves to clean ourselves up from our sin. Jesus said, I'm going to clean you up and I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. I have a, uh, a lady, her, a friend of our family. Uh, her name is Jan Meadows. Our, our son in the front row will know about Miss Jan because Parker would go to her farm, her ranch uh, during the summers and he would hang out with her for like a week and get to, you know, help out with all the animals and the hay and do all kinds of things. He was like four, five, six years old. Uh, Miss Jan's son was in the Marines. And uh, he actually passed away in combat. I, uh, I had the honor and the privilege of handling his funeral. And this is uh, maybe more than probably 12 years ago, maybe a little bit more. He had gone over to Afghanistan and uh, he was in the middle of combat and a grenade was thrown on the ground that was there to take out uh, the men that he was with. And Captain Meadows jumped onto that grenade, took his life. Uh, as I said, doing that funeral, I was humbled and honored to be a part of, of that moment for a hero. And I remember the folded flag and the carriage and, and, and all of it's very, very vivid in my mind. He, he's received a Purple Heart, uh, left behind uh, a wife, and his daughter was in the womb uh, at that time, so he never had the opportunity to meet his daughter but this man, seeing this grenade, jumps and gives his life to save others' lives. We celebrate that. It's not something we actually have to wrestle with. And Jesus, understand, saw a grenade, if you will, of sin. And it was going to kill all of humanity. And Jesus said, I'll take my life and I'll throw it on top of that grenade. 
and I will take the penalty of sin, death, and hell, and shame for all of humanity, and I'll put it upon myself. This is why you and I now have a right relationship with God. It's not because you and I are perfect. It's because we have a perfect Savior that, that took the grenade for us, that, that died for us, that, that gave his life for us. And, and it's because of that now you and I have been changed and transformed from the inside out. That's why we're living with such passion and zeal and excitement. This is what the Apostle Paul is writing about here. He is saying, I have been so impacted by what Jesus Christ has done. I've got to speak up about some things that I see that are trying to hurt this beautiful thing that Jesus did. So the Apostle Paul is, is passionate. He, he, he's excited. Uh, the other day, I just, um, I just officiated a, a, a little, little wedding. I can't tell you who. can't tell you who. Uh, because um, it was secret. And it's not like, you know, Kim and Kanye got back together and I did that. Not nothing like that, okay? Um, this couple's even better. Uh, they are, they're, they're in our church, and, and this, this couple uh, got married, but it was real, real small ceremony because it was like the, the, the marriage, the, the wedding before, like, their big party. Um, but they, they wanted to be able to partake of all things uh, that married Christian couples can do. <laughs> so they decided, <laughs> have a little ceremony. <laughs> and it was beautiful. The, the, br the, groom, the groom was sweating. I mean, he was just dripping, just dripping, just dripping sweat. I felt a little, I felt a little uncomfortable. I'm like, man, is this brother okay? He's just sweating, sweating, sweating. And he keeps on, keeps on uh, hugging his bride, keeps on hugging. Like, okay, bro, okay, hey, we're gonna get this done. We're gonna get this done. He's just like. Rubbing her back over, over and over. One of his friends were there and that has known him since college and they were like, okay. I don't know what has happened to my friend because that guy never showed any emotion and never did physical touch with anybody. And he's over here sweating and weeping and he can't stop hugging his bride here. Well, something beautiful happened inside and it impacted him inside so much that it changed his outsides. This is the gospel that we're preaching about. This is not one that places a burden upon you. This is a gospel that transforms you so much from the inside out that you start sweating and crying and hugging when you don't even think you, when you, when you never used to do that. This is one that makes you do things like show up early and stay late, like go to church when you never would go to church. That makes you pray prayers and you're like, I don't even really believe in God, but I'm going to pray anyway because I think there might be something going on here. One that makes you open up your Bible when you're still wrestling with is God real or not, but you're like, you know what? There's just something in my heart that's telling 
telling me I got to take a step further. This is what the gospel does. This is what our Savior did when he got on that grenade of sin for all of us. And he said, all of humanity, I don't care where you're from, what your first language is. I don't care where your parents are from. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how big your company is. I want you to know that you are a sinner, but I saw you and loved you. And now I'm making you a saint because of my love and my blood and my grace and my mercy and my peace and my truth. I'm taking you from lost to found, from dead to alive. And it's that truth that changes us from the inside out. So now he keeps on going down here and he starts saying, hey, there's some people, they're, 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 they're sneaking in. They're sneaking in. They're trying, to, they're trying to mess with you. Matter of fact, go with me. Go with me. Uh, uh, here's some stuff that some of y'all are going to be uncomfortable with. Let me just tell you right now. But it's in the Bible. I'm not making it up. It's in the Bible. Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to explain to you why he's so upset. Why, he, why he's fighting so hard. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 7. It says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? To keep you from obeying the truth. That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. There's a persuasion that does not come from the one who calls you. Who's persuading you to leave your spouse? Who's persuading you to leave your church? Who's persuading you to take your eyes off of Jesus and to put your eyes on yourself? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters... If I am still preaching, now watch this. If I'm still preaching circumcision, why am, I, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and... Emasculate themselves. May God add a blessing to the reading of his holy word. <laughs> if you don't know what emasculate means, look it up. Okay? And go, ooh. <laughs> I thought the Bible was all about love. <laughs> there were some people that were saying, in order for you to get right with God, you had to be circumcised. This was the Old Testament covenant. This Old Testament covenant of circumcision, beautiful, wonderful, but New Testament, you no longer have to be circumcised in order to be made right with God. You might be made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you're made right with God. There were some people trying to get into the church and say, hey, hey, you're not right with God. You're not circumcised. And the apostle Paul hears about this and he's like, nah, we're not doing this. You're trying to preach a different gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you get right with God by putting your faith in Jesus. That's it. You do not do any works to get made right with God. The only work that had to be done was Jesus doing his work in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's the only work. And now somebody else is trying to go in and go, hey, it's Jesus plus. 
is Jesus and this other thing. And the Apostle Paul says, okay, you want to play with the gospel? Go ahead, chop the whole thing off. This is in the Bible. <laughs> if I'm God, I'm like, you know what? Let me just edit that piece out, right? That's a little much. But he keeps it in there to talk about the passion with which he wants to protect the beautiful message of Jesus Christ. So Galatians, in a way, is building a fence around the churches in Galatia and around us to make sure we don't pervert the gospel and turn it into something it's not supposed to be. I felt a mandate today to also build up a little bit of a fence. Because I just feel like in our day and age, there are so many voices on the outside that are trying to infiltrate the family of God and the church of God and distort this beautiful thing that God has called his bride. But there are people that are interested in us not being who we've been called to be and are interested in us tearing each other apart, tearing each other down, bringing division and discord so that we no longer have the power and the authority that we're supposed to have in this present evil age. And I just felt compelled to pause for a moment and to say, Shoreline City, what God is doing in and through you is beautiful. What he's doing in and through this place is something special. Dare I say heavenly. Like God has his hand on your life. Because the church, it's not a building. It's people. Buildings come and go. But you, my friends, you are the church. So whether you're in Colorado or Kenya, whether you're married or single, you're the church. You're the body. You're the ones that God has called. And since you are the ones, understand that you are the agent of change in this world. Not because you and I are so great. It's because God is so great. And he wants to use us for his glory. And since we are his instruments of change and transformation and love and hope in this world... No wonder there will be a world that will try to tear us apart. We got an election coming up again in November. Got another one. Here it comes again. This is a Senate race. Those of you who don't know, vote, okay? We got another presidential election on the horizon, okay? It's coming again. I led, I led this church along with my beautiful wife and the rest of our staff team through 2020. I know that many people took their allegiance from our glorious Savior and put their allegiance in a political figure. I know some people said, I'm not going to follow the cross. I want to follow a donkey or an elephant. I know some people did that. We led through that. <laughs> Made it through by the grace of Almighty God. Through many dangers, toils, and stairs, <laughs> I have already come. So much discord and disunity in our world. And then 
God put this place together. Look around. You'll see the people you're sitting next to. And it looks beautiful. Until you and I make our lives about something other than Jesus. Because what the devil is trying, dare I, I'm saying, the devil is trying to do. The enemy of our souls is trying to do is to take this beautiful thing called the church and to try to make us uh, nitpick and judge and tear down each other so much that we're so disunified we lose our power and lose our authority because Jesus said the world will not know you're my disciples because of how you vote the world will not know you're my disciples by the car that you drive the world will not know you're my disciples based on the school that you went to the world will know you're my disciples by your love that you have for each other so if I can steal your love I can steal your strength so I just felt a need to pause for a second to make sure we keep our fence up because right now things are going really really great but I know how this world will try to weasel in. Let me bring up a couple friends of mine real quick. Um, Michael, you here? Michael Alexander? Okay, come here, Michael. Uh, where's Jono? I need Jono, too. Somebody text Jono for me. Is he in the back? Is he upstairs? Where's Jono? Somebody help me. Hey, Jono, good to see you. Come on over here. Dang. Well done, Jono. Where's my man, Andrew? Come here, Andrew. Come here, Andrew. Okay, come, come up here. Come up here. Um, you can throw your phone right there, Andrew. Come on up here. These guys are handsome, aren't they? Look at them. Look how good looking they are. I love you so much. Give it up for Jono. Give it up for Michael. Give it up for Andrew. Look at these guys. Come here. Come here closer. Come here closer. Come here closer. Right here. Right here. Right here. Okay. Um, Jono, tell everybody, what kind of shoes are you wearing? <laughs> I'm, wearing I'm wearing Balenciagas. Triple S's. Balenciaga what? Triple S. The triple S. Okay, I don't even, I don't know what that is, okay? Some of y'all, you're like, okay? Are they fake? No. <laughs> Jono, he led our sneakerhead connect group, he and Olu, okay? Because they're like sneakerheads. And I don't know how much those things cost. I don't know where he found them. I don't know if he's selling drugs. But what I do know, <laughs> not selling drugs. He's not selling drugs, okay? He has these Balenciagas, okay? Um, Andrew, <laughs> what are these? Man, I, I don't exactly know what they are. I think they're Adidas uh, Court. Are they real? <laughs> these ones. Okay, okay, because. It's like my one real pair. You know? Okay, because Andrew, when he puts on shoes, he gets his stuff from China, okay? <laughs> and he gets fake shoes all the time okay so if you see him with some shoes on you're like oh okay andrew nope 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 there, no congratulations is in order they are off 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 whites that's what those are <laughs> jono would you ever wear a pair of Andrew's fake shoes? No. <laughs> Michael, what are you wearing? Uh, I got them in Marshalls. <laughs> Marshalls, dress for less. 
okay? You ever been to Marshalls? Have you been to Marshalls recently? You can't find anything at Marshalls. This man is committed. This man, what size shoe do you wear? 13. He wears a size 13. You can't go to Marshalls and just find a 13. It might be an 11 with a 13, and you gotta go find that other 13. His shoes say Calvin Klein on the side, okay? So we got Balenciagas. We got Marshalls. We got fake whatever. <laughs> These three guys, I've never one time seen them look at each other and shame each other for the shoes that they wear. I have never one time seen them walk up to the other and go, I can't believe you're wearing that. What are you doing with your money? Well, I, never once have I seen them shame, tear down, or disrespect each other because of the shoes that they are wearing. The day we live in today, this is the day where all of us feel we have a right to post on somebody else's page what they're wearing, where they live, what they drive, or anything, who they're married to, and we feel like it's our spot to tear down everybody else around them. And I just would like to say to all of us, mind your business. Can I say it like that? Can I say it like that? Can I say, can I say it that clearly? Can I say that when the church is spending its time looking at the shoes other people are wearing, that we are wasting time from allowing the grace of God to transform us so that we can be salt and light and hope in the world? Can I just tell you that these guys being unified, no matter what they wear, because at the end of the day, end of the day, I don't think it really matters all that much what they're wearing. What really matters is what's going on in here and each of them, how they are loving each other, how they are loving God, how they're loving the world around them. That's really how people will know if they are Christ's disciples. I'm so thankful for each of these guys. I'm so thankful for the way they live their lives. I'm so thankful who I knew them to be behind the scenes. And none of them are perfect. Shoot, none of us up here are perfect at all. But I love the unity that I see in these brothers. This is the unity that we're fighting for here in our church family. Thank you so much, fellas. Y'all did a great job. My wife is my best friend, okay? She is without, she's my best friend, all right? And not just because she's so fine. Uh, if she wasn't fine, I would, she would still be my best friend. I just got blessed that she happens to be fine and my best friend. I love her so much. 25 years, we've been married. I love, you know, I post something, somebody put hashtag black love. You know, people put all kinds of things on a black love. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I, lo I love, she's my best friend. If someone walks up to me and starts talking bad about my wife. Oh, I can't stand your wife. Oh, your wife. No, you use my wife because I get too upset. Let me use your wife. Okay. Someone walks up to you and starts talking about your wife. Oh, man, your wife used to be beautiful. Woo, she's really let herself go, hasn't she? 
Oh, man, man, after those kids, damn, your wife was looking rough, bruh. You're, you're, you're there, and then they start talking about your wife, about uh, her hair or her, her body or uh, her eye, whatever. They just begin to disrespect your wife. What good man? Now, there are some men, but what good man sits there and lets someone tear down his wife? You got to step up in that moment and say, hey, bruh. Time out. Chill. You're going to talk to somebody else, but don't bring that to me. You're going to talk to me. You're going to tear down my bride? Well, what is the church called to Christ? The bride of Christ. And look how easy it is in our day and age to disrespect, tear down, dishonor, and bring division to his bride. You think Jesus is just sitting there going, yeah, 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 it's awesome. No. I think his heart is breaking. We expect division in the world, but we don't expect it in the church. I want to make this clear. The church is far from perfect. It's been bad at times, y'all. Bad, bad, bad. I mean, it was the church that initiated the crusades killed Muslims because they didn't follow Jesus took their lives it was a church that was silent many times during slavery it was a church many times that has perpetuated sexism racism the church throughout the history of humanity has made some royal not just mistakes sins dishonored disrespected hurt our bra our, our groom so I don't dare for a second say the church has been perfect no I'm saying in her imperfection She's still the bride. So how do you and I honor the church, the people, as the bride so that we can be a source of hope and light and strength to the world? I don't know what's going to happen outside of the walls and the screens. I don't know. But I know what's happening inside right now, and I've seen so much beauty. 
I have seen teenagers' lives being transformed. I've seen single people coming alive. I've seen marriages being restored. Last night, I just heard the story about a woman and a man, this husband and wife, and divorce was on the table. She sent the papers to him for him to sign, and there's been a massive change and transformation as they've been gotten, getting planted in the church and the voices that are speaking to them, and now the divorce papers are off of the table and they are coming back together as a husband and wife and the impact that's going to have on their kids and on their kids kids it's going to be beautiful that happened with the church so the apostle Paul here and I'll end with this verse verse 13 he says you my brothers and sisters We're called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't use your freedom to say say whatever you want to say and do whatever you want to do. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Serve one another humbly in love. Serve one another humbly humbly in love rather than post serve one another humbly in love rather than bring rather than gossip serve one another humbly in love rather than betray somebody serve one another humbly in love rather than leaving serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command Love your neighbor as yourself. If you're my church family, bow your heads for just a moment. God, we ask for your grace. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask for us to give, for you to give us your eyes, your heart. We ask that we would be a people that would continue to walk in unity. We fight hard against the division and the disunity and the discord that's in our world. So that we can be a source of hope and light and life to our generation. Help us, God. Forgive us, God. Cleanse us, God. Wash us, God. As your heads are bowed just for a moment longer, if you're online or in the room, just your heads are bowed for a moment longer. If you've never given your heart and your life to Christ, you've never made him first, you've never made him number one. Put another way, you feel like you're in the driver's seat of your life. Jesus Christ is not in the driver's seat and you're saying you don't want to go your own anymore. You want to go his way. If that's you, you've never receive this forgiveness of your sins never put your hope and your trust in Jesus as your savior this is your moment to respond to his grace or maybe there was a time you did you were a kid you're a teenager you're in college you remember a day you're following Jesus but you've just gone another way you've been 
just disenfranchised, hurt, and, and some people really messed it up for you. So you started to cloud uh, Jesus with the people that follow him, and now you've just been going your own way. And today, you're saying you don't want to go your own way anymore. You want to go his way. So if that's you, on the count of three, you've never given your heart to Christ, or at one point in time you did, and you slipped away. And today, you want to rededicate your life to serving Jesus. On the count of three, just throw your hand in the air. Ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand up in the air. You're saying, yep, that's me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Christ. We got friends all over raising their hands right now saying, I don't want to go my own way. I want to go Jesus' way. I want to put him first in my life. I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart, every person, and repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you in Jesus name amen and amen can we lift our heads up clap our hands with enthusiasm come on church